She awoke in the middle of the night once again to a familiar tapping sound. She just wished that the things scratching on the glass outside her bedroom would have never followed her home. But before we begin, if you love cryptids and want to learn the full story, both the legends and the facts, delivered as a narrative story, then this guided tour is for you. Shift on over and tap that subscribe, like, or review button, depending on where you watch or listen. Now, watch your back and get ready. The tour is about to start. I'm Cody, and you're touring cryptids across the atlas. Mary had managed to get into a bit of a routine the last couple of weeks. Every morning come 4 or 5 a.m., the large black Labrador retriever she agreed to watch for her friend who had been traveling would hop out of bed and begin pacing about, demanding to go on his ritualistic morning walk. Groggily, Mary would untuck from the covers, slip out of bed and into a set of comfortable sneakers, and wrap herself up in a soft warm coat. Then, she'd grab her water bottle and leash up her friend's peppy pup to begin their early morning stroll. Despite the sun still hours away from making its appearance, Mary found herself growing accustomed to the dark morning walks with her friend's lab. They gave her time to clear her head and relax before the rush of the day set in. But little to Mary's knowing, the real rush was lurking just around the next corner. They say it is darkest just before dawn, but to Mary, things were looking pretty bright, metaphorically at least. It was the first day of March, after all. Though the current weather lay just on the edge of freezing, spring would be coming soon. Cold mornings would soon give way to warmer weather. But as they rounded the corner on the edge of that swampy watershed, a frigid chill began to crawl up Mary's spine, and it wasn't from the cold. As they approached the swampy trail, her canine companion stopped hard in his tracks, pulling the leash tight in a refusal to go any further. Then, the lab began to let out a deep, guttural growl. Mary, startled at the dog's sudden reluctancy, began looking around to see if she could locate what had the pup spooked. Raccoons and coyotes weren't all that uncommon here, especially in this part of the park along the swampy watershed where she frequently walked. But as her eyes adjusted into the distance, she quickly realized that this wasn't an ordinary wildlife encounter. Just off the trail, she noticed a silhouette along the wood line. But as the creature turned, facing her and the growling pup, fear flooded across her. The shadowy creature stood roughly three feet tall and was covered in black matted fur. Its eyes seemed to glow green despite the lack of light to call said eyeshine. But that wasn't the part that freaked Mary out the most. The creepiest thing, the thing that sent Mary yanking at the dog's leash and running home in fear, was that the creature stood on two legs like a human as it watched her turn and run away. Mary hastily ended her morning dog walks. Just a few days later, her friend arrived back home and picked up the lab, thanking Mary for watching him, and Mary did her best to put the thoughts of the prior week out of her mind, and all seemed to go back to normal. That is, until just a few days later, when she was awoken in the middle of the night to the sounds of a small humanoid tapping and scratching on the glass of her bedroom walls and window. 
The scratching continued over the next several nights. Always the same, she would go to sleep only to be awoken to a silhouette outside her window and the slow tapping of a nail on glass. Finally, sleep-deprived and rattled, Mary confided in a co-worker about the experiences she had had over the last couple of weeks. Taken aback at her story, her co-worker mentioned how Mary might not be so crazy after all. Similar things had been happening in the area for years, decades, centuries even. Tales of small humanoid creatures haunting the New England forests had been passed down long before settlers ever landed at Plymouth Rock. And if the tales told of these small shapeshifters are to be believed, Mary's encounter with a Pukwudgie could have ended much, much worse. Across the Great Lakes and into New England, tales of mischievous woodland humanoids have been told by the natives who have long inhabited the area. The Ojibwe people named them the Bagwajanini. The Abenaki called them Bokemen. But more commonly, we know them by their name given to them by the Wampanoag, the Pukwudgie. Pukwudgies are short, precarious humanoids that supposedly call the northeastern United States and southeastern parts of Canada their home. Often believed to be shapeshifters, Pukwudgies morph from small people to woodland creatures, often porcupines, though many depictions describe them as something in between, almost as if small humans' backs were covered in quills and whose snouts were like that of a wolf's. Most of the Algonquian tribes thought the Pukwudgies to have been trickster spirits of the forest. These creatures were often blamed for misplaced items, strange sounds, and other odd woodland occurrences. Benign things, really. After all, Pukwudgies liked humans, or at least they did. According to the legend, Pukwudgies shifted from playful forest spirits to maniacal fiends that are to be avoided at all costs. There was a time humans and Pukwudgies coexisted. Humans often left treats for Pukwudgies, and Pukwudgies, well, they didn't pick on humans too much. Other than the occasional prank, you know, just for laughs. But when the Algonquian tribesmen began spending more time with Mount Shop, the kind-spirited giant who is credited as giving shape to Cape Cod and creating Nantucket Island out of his pipe ash, the Pukwudgies became jealous. They didn't care much for Mouse Shop and his peaceful ways, and now that the tribesmen were spending time with Mouse Shop, they grew to dislike them too. It seems jealousy is just as common in the folk realm as it is to us humans. But who could really blame the local natives for preferring the company of a kind-hearted giant who often fed and looked after them as opposed to a group of tricksters who used them for their own enjoyment? I'd pick the giant too. But the Pukwudgies didn't seem to care about the human perspective. In a jealous rage, folklore tells us of how the Pukwudgies snuck in and killed Malshop's five sons before turning and slaughtering the good giant as well. Then they turned and set their sights on the tribesmen themselves. And the story goes that these angry shapeshifters have yet to forgive the friendship of the Algonquins and Malshop. The Pukwudgies still hold a grudge to this day, luring people into the forest never to be seen again. Some folks get off with nothing more than a bit of trickery, like the woman walking her friend's dog back in March of 2023 but others end up face-to-face -face with far worse. Stories tell of darts shot through the woods at people who venture too far off the trail. Some have told stories about a small person they saw in the distance, only to watch them shift into a cougar or bear and begin pursuing them. 
Still yet, some tell tales of Pukwudgie stealing children from young mothers or even pushing innocent victims off the nearby cliffs. Pukwudgies have also been cited as manifesting will-o'-the-wisps, or small glowing orbs of light, that bob through the forest to lure curious onlookers into their traps. Oh, and should you fall victim to one of the Pukwudgie's more sinister schemes, don't think for a second that death is the end to their torment. Because it's also said that Pukwudgies can conjure the spirits of those they have killed to do their bidding. So the common advice of just stay away might just be the best advice one could receive. Unlike Sasquatch, maybe Pukwudgies aren't the cryptid to try and chase down in the middle of the night. Pukwudgies aren't one of those cryptids that really need a lot of explaining. The Algonquian people, like most tribes native to North America, are highly spiritual and symbolic. The stories they tell are often deeply rooted in allegory, used more as a tool to teach and less a literary fact. To them, the spirit and flesh walk amongst the same world. And this exact point has been a bit of a hang-up for European-minded folks since we first arrived in this new world. Remember our episode on the Ogopogo? Settlers asked the Silks people why they left offerings along the lake, and when the locals told them of the water spirit that resided there, the more literal-thinking Europeans took that to mean an actual flesh-and-blood water dragon was eating folks in the lake. So I think it wise to take tales of Pukwudgies more like those of the Irish Leprechaun or European Gnomes, spiritual representations of a living, breathing ecosystem that quite frankly can be a bit precarious and trickstery in and of itself. And if you don't know what I mean, just go spend some time in the woods and it'll make sense. I promise, the woods can be a very odd place. But maybe you're not a spiritual person. That's okay. Maybe you're looking for a more tangible way to explain some of these occurrences. No worries, we have you covered. So it's entirely possible that some of the supposed Pukwudgie sightings through the years are none other than, drumroll please, actual porcupines. The North American porcupine just so happens to be roughly two to three feet in length, and they've been reported by witnesses, more than once I might add, to stand up and sometimes even seemingly wave at people. No, seriously, it happens. And while porcupines cannot actually shoot their quills like darts, that's a common misconception that used to be pretty popular, that idea isn't at all unlike the Pukwudgie's darts. And porcupines have a wide variety of noises they can make too. Shrill screeches, coughs, groans, whines, tease chatters, and low grunts are all common with these critters. Lastly, porcupines, according to Mass.gov, are common and abundant in Massachusetts. So maybe Pukwudgies are a lot more explainable, at least in the literal sense, than cryptid lovers care to realize. They say the simplest answer is most often the correct answer, and well, in this situation, the shoe seems to fit. Except if Pukwudgies are as tricky as the tales claim, maybe that's exactly what they'd want you to think after all. If you love cryptids and want to learn even more about the creatures we just talked about, find us on TikTok or Instagram. Just search username at the cryptid atlas. By the way, the episode you just witnessed is both a podcast and YouTube video, so whichever format you prefer, we have you covered. Also, check out our interactive cryptid map to browse the globe and learn about cryptids from your favorite areas. 
Every single episode we make adds another pin to our map. You can find our social channels, the map, and more at thecryptidatlas.com. And when you find us, be sure to tap that follow button and get in on the action by dropping a comment on our recent videos. If you enjoy this show, consider sharing it on with a friend. And if you listen on Apple or Spotify, consider leaving an honest review to help other listeners know what to expect. Thanks for touring cryptids across the Atlas. Until next time, keep your eyes open. You never know what you might see just on the edge of the road.